Can you hear me? Yeah, wait, okay. This sounds like it's a little better. (laughs) I'm shocked these headphones work, so. (laughs) No, okay, that's perfect. I think we'll roll with it this way. So in about five seconds, then I'll kind of go into it. Okay, sounds good. All right, hey guys, welcome back to A Humble Whore. Um, It's been a long time since I personally have recorded anything because I've been so backed up on everything. And this is my second or third try trying to connect with Bronwyn that we have on here today. I said it right, right? I pronounced it right? Yes, you did. Okay, great. So this is like my second or third time trying to get a hold of her because, or trying to get this situated because the last time there were just technical difficulties and working remote, you know, doing everything remote is just a pain in the ass, but... Thanks for joining me. Yeah, of course. I'm happy to. And yeah, I mean, working remote doesn't make things easy. So (laughs) I'm glad we're able to connect. (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like we had such, we started such a great conversation and to have to redo it again, it's fine, but (laughs) there's just more we can, we can talk about. Agreed. Agreed. So where are you from? Tell everyone a little bit more. Yeah. So uh, I'm from Kitchener, Ontario in Southwestern um, Ontario in Canada. And uh, I am an out loud and proud demisexual lesbian and activist. Um, And I grew up in a forward thinking feminist and sex positive household. Okay. And I think we got connected. This is so long ago, but I think it's because I posted on like a travel page about my podcast. Okay. So I posted on a travel page on Facebook about my podcast and I put the name on there and there were some, you know, Karens that were like, well, why would you call it a humble whore? Like that's like that uh, goes against what we're trying to work for. And, you know, you jumped in and we're just like, Hey, I think she means it this way. And I was like, oh my God, I have to reach out to her. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just find that like, we get caught up way too quickly in this. Like, I, like as women, we should be offended by the word whore. And it's like, okay. I mean, yes, if it's being said to us in a derogatory way, but I like, I think ex- what I jumped in with was this, like, as somebody from the queer community, we've co-opted queer again and made it a really positive thing. And I think it's great that Leanna's doing this. <laughs> with horror yeah. so she can do what she wants and I think we should encourage that and uh, these women weren't agreeing but that's fine I needed to say my piece <laughs> I still feel like the conversation or the the Facebook thread was pretty you know modest yes. or yeah. I mean docile nobody got super super offended so I was like you know whatever I didn't come in here to start anything mm-hmm. but I really appreciated that and I didn't even know by the time I entered the queer space I assumed I didn't know queer had a negative connotation uh, to it in the way that it used to. So I had always referred to myself uh, for the past two years as queer. And just that to me is my normal instead of saying gay. But let's hear a a little bit about. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just you're coming into it and not really knowing too much about it and having to learn all the things about the queer community has been really interesting. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I want to hear a little bit about your background because I feel like not many people, it's a, sex in general is such a hush-hush topic, but growing up in a sex-positive house, like, you never hear about that, let alone what the experience is like. No, it's very true. I've noticed this as an adult. Um, And it's also really interesting because my background in general is kind of interesting. My family's kind of an anomaly, but uh, my dad's actually a priest, and... um, it was always okay for me to be gay. Like I knew it was okay to be gay before I even knew about myself. 
Um, so that in itself is pretty rare in growing up in a kind of a religious space. Um, but then to also have like both my dad and my mom be these like sex positive feminist people um, felt normal when I was younger. But then as I got, became an adult, it was like, oh, this is not normal. You guys didn't talk about sex. Oh, your parents read your diaries. <laughs> what? <laughs> like oh. just this like, <laughs> oh, your parents didn't have conversations with you and they didn't normalize it. Uh, you didn't know what masturbation was like, really? Like it just because all of this was so normal to me. Um, and like if I ever had any questions, I was able to ask them and knew it wouldn't be super, super awkward. Um, so like, uh, I remember sitting in like a Harvey's with my dad. I was pretty young. And I remember just like asking him like, so what is like sex like? Cause I don't understand. And my dad was just like very casually not put off by the question. Just like, well, you know how you and your friends, when you want to spend time together, you play together. He was like, well, like sex is like, it's playing for adults, but it's more intimate for like people who really like each other. And I was like, okay, <laughs> like just this, <laughs> it was just such a like easy thing for him to do. Um, whereas I find that like a lot of other people's parents, when they tell these stories from when they were younger, the parents got really, really awkward and um, like didn't want to answer the question. So they just kind of evaded it. <laughs> And my parents were just really forward about it. Like my mom bought these books. Um, in a, Karma Sutra. Essentially <laughs> sort of, uh, but like for kids <laughs> to understand what sex is. And um, when I like, she bought these like in anticipation of the fact that my sister and I were going to become old enough to be asking these questions eventually. And I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure I found them in her drawer. I don't know why I was going into the drawer of her bedside table, but I did. <laughs> and that's where I found these books. And I remember being just like fascinated by them. Um, like just completely fascinated. <laughs> and I, that's so I also like, right. And, and I also think like looking back on it now, I was very fascinated by just because it, it was one book was about like essentially quote unquote the birds and the bees it was about sex mm -hmm. and one was about like the changing body um mm -hmm. because my mom was like I'm gonna need AIDS and to how to have this conversation with my young children um mm -hmm. and I I remember being really fascinated by both but especially the changing body one and I was very fixated on the changing female body like very fixated on it and in hindsight like these are all these things when you do realize you're gay that you start looking back on them and you're like oh <laughs> that was an indicator like I was just hmm. very fascinated by the changing female body <laughs> huh yeah. so okay wait so growing up on my side my parents yeah were on the side where it's like you know, they, my mom gave me the sex talk to an extent, mm -hmm. um, but I, I discovered sex on a medical level first because there was like a baby book. And so I knew and I read about the sperm and the egg and I never did the whole belly button, like pregnant in the belly button thing. Um, I did the sperm and the egg and I knew that. Yeah. And then when it was introduced on like, okay, a penis and vagina thing. I think I was around 10 and my mom talked to me about it, but yeah, I think a lot of parents just draw back because they don't really know how to. And it's funny that you grew up in such a sex positive house, but yet I'm the one with the sex podcast, <laughs> um, but I think it's great, you know, that we, that we're having this conversation. Yeah. Um, and I think it is kind of hard and I like to consider myself sex positive. I mean, I think most people would consider me sex positive, but I realized in the past couple of weeks since, you know, I've done the recordings, I've just been, you know, hanging out with uh, my boyfriend at home, mm -hmm. Wyatt, and um, 
I started to ask about his past because I was bored and I was like, okay, let me hurt my own feelings. <laughs> so I am very sex positive, but I have a hard time being a sex positive about like somebody I love and their history. And Absolutely. it really brings about a big like uh, conflict, like conflict or hypocrisy where it's like, okay, I'm out here telling about like how I swallowed this and that and <laughs> fucking had this crammed up me and that crammed up me. And he was like, I asked him these questions and was like, oh, you know, have you slept with the blonde? Have you done just very basic things? Yeah. And he answered them in a very basic way. But, you know, by the end, I was like. (laughs) (laughs) See, that's so interesting. And I I wonder if it's because, like, I just grew up in an environment where it was normal to talk about all this. But, like, I I actually had an ex. um, And, like, I don't really talk about my history because I don't have a large sexual history. And part of that is growing up in a sex-positive household. I just was able to make decisions for myself that were really, really informed and just was like, I'm not ready. So I waited quite a long mm-hmm. time, um, mainly just because I, I figured out pretty early on that I needed to have an emotional connection with a partner before I wanted to have sex with them. Um, and I also completely hate the term virginity. <laughs> I, I think it needs to die. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I just, I don't like it because it's based on um, like a woman, a woman's value, right? Um, and I just, mm-hmm. It's so archaic, but anyway. Um, I had a conversation with one of my exes and she, because I actually hadn't had sex at the time, I was in my twenties, hadn't had sex, but I'm very like sex positive. I've been masturbating a long time, (laughs) know a lot about my own body. Um, But she was like going off about like her partners and she only had a few, but she kept like, she, she, and I knew this, but she, she kept like listing off fingers and just like, as though to like taunt me with it and like freak me out mm-hmm. and I, she was like so did I scare you and I, and I looked at her and I just went no <laughs> I just I just like so casually was like I don't give a like I don't give a shit how, how many people you've been with <laughs> it really has no indicator to me what our sex life is going to be like just because you've been with multiple partners or none or you know like 20 or 100 like none of that matters to me and I, it's I think like it's such I'm such an anomaly in that way because a lot of people do care because we've been taught to care, but I just like literally don't care. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love that though. I think the only question, once I got older and realized numbers really don't Mm -hmm. matter, I'm more about the character and, you know, your past matters to an extent if it still drags over to the future in a negative way. So I agree with those things. But the only thing I had asked uh, Wyatt in the beginning when we first started talking, where, you know, that's the time where you kind of get everything out in the open. And I feel like it's a better time to talk about your past because you don't know the person that well. So you're not super emotionally invested. Um, But at one point I was just like, I'm not going to ask how many people you've slept with. I, is it just over, let's say like 20 and I threw out a number and he gave me his response. And like, I don't really care because I probably slept with more people than most of my guy (laughs) partners. And it doesn't really say anything about me. Like my sex life hasn't been super fulfilling. So to me, the numbers and the dicks involved, and even, you know, once I started sleeping with women, a lot of it was to kind of fill a void Mm -hmm. and get uh, intimacy, but the intimacy was never really achieved. Right. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I think one of the things I'm I'm realizing, I think more recently, um, as as my quote unquote number grows, and I mean it's it's not very big, and I'm not ashamed of that. But it's um, I like I've realized that talking about sex early on 
even if it's a little Mm -hmm. uncomfortable can be really good. Like the, uh, I'm dating somebody right now that I'm really enjoying getting to know. And both of us are like totally cool taking things really slow, which is really good because I got out of a relationship about four months ago and we actually had a pretty open and honest conversation about sex and about um, like my, my past and the things that I wasn't getting out of those relationships and the things that I would hope to get out of a future one. And and we actually just kind of like laid it all out and it felt really good, even though it was a little uncomfortable at first because it was just, and, and because she was open to the conversation um, Mm -hmm. we both try to be really sex positive that like, it actually felt really good to get it out there because it was just this like, okay, now I know that you know the things that were missing before. Now I know that like, you're aware that I want those things. Um, And I think that's one of the reasons why we need to normalize it more. Like that's why podcasts like this are actually really good because the more that we can normalize talking about sex with partners and just with people in general, the better our sex lives will be collectively. (laughs) Like in relationships, Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of the time, I think, to growing up in households that are religious and not mine (laughs) um where sex is a really difficult topic or one that's not talked about at all is that like there's a lot of people who grew up in like evangelical backgrounds who like talking about sex is just not a thing it's they they like they preach abstinence and and you know like they don't talk about sex so the and and like the purity culture and then all of a sudden you get to the point where you're supposed to be married and nobody talks about it anymore so they've been like restricting and, and really like hammering oh my god yeah it makes me sex. so mad and you finally can and a lot of women have issues with sex after that but nowhere to go because suddenly they're allowed <laughs> but it's because they're married, but then nobody's actually talked to them about the process and about how it can feel and about how it can be different for everybody and about how it can be painful and like who to go to if that happens. It's just so like, I think we need to be normalizing it more. And, um, and especially so that people in those environments can actually reach out to people who are safe to have these conversations with. Yeah, that that I was watching this YouTube because uh, I was bored, and it was called Preacher's Daughters or some shit. Oh, oh god. my god, uh, it made me so yeah. mad. But the, with the normalizing thing, um, you know, as this podcast has grown, I feel like it's a little stagnant right now because I've just been busy and not promoting or whatever. It but <laughs> some girl had messaged me a few. Uh, like a week ago and she was like hey you know I just want to let you know that I've been listening to your podcast and like I was saving my virginity until I was like trying to save my virginity until I met someone I really love but after you know a lot of self-reflection and um you know listening to this I just decided to you know go with somebody that I trust so I had my first dick appointment and it was a really positive experience that's awesome getting yeah getting those messages makes everything absolutely Like, and then also I had a couple friends from high school. Um, I really like hated, well, not hated. (laughs) I didn't really care for a lot of people in my high school, but I feel as if the older I've gotten, I was actually able to reconnect with a few. And um, so these two of these girls had messaged me on different occasions and they're like, Hey, I just want to let you know, I've been listening to your podcast and, you know, it impacted me in this way and that way. And that's just, that's so nice because I feel like for the longest time, I just told anyone who would listen about my <laughs> sex life and no one gave a yeah. fuck. <laughs> and I still do that now, but on a bigger platform, but it's actually making Yeah, it well, this is the thing. I mean, with anything in life, I find this with like my activism, for example, like I'm an open book, 
with everything that ha- happens in my life. And I think people find mm-hmm. that really uncomfortable because a lot of people are, we're taught to be closed off, right? Like, don't tell people your secrets. And I'm like, people can have all my secrets. I don't care. And and I do yeah. it because like, even though it makes some people uncomfortable, I, I urge people to sit in that uncomfortable feeling and, and ask themselves why. Because I have had a lot of people reach out to me privately in a lot of situations to go like, thank you for sharing your story with such and such a thing. It has really resonated with me and really helped me be able to come to terms with something in my life and it's like that's why I do it that's Mm -hmm. why I'm open about it because we live in this world that's like ooh, don't talk about anything it's all taboo (laughs) and then when you're going through it you're alone right like it's yeah Yeah. and I think especially with sex because there's so like even if you're not from a religious background there's still so much people don't know about or talk about with sex particularly within the queer community like even people who grew up with a good sex education it was probably heteronormative and we're just Mm -hmm. starting to scrape the surface in terms of actually having sex education that includes lgbt and so if you're open about your experiences that's going to help somebody else you know and yeah yeah No, okay, so the end of the rest of this podcast, I want to talk about a little bit more focused on the LGBTQ um, side, but I, what you had just said about, you know, uh, it was like about the conversation, oh, making people Mm -hmm. uncomfortable, so kind of a trigger warning for some people, and then we'll kind of move it over to the next topic, but um, with making things uncomfortable, yeah, sex makes thing, makes people feel uncomfortable, but so does you know, the negative side of sex. So like sexual assault, like, and I've noticed that the times that I've spoken about, you know, my rape, my sexual assault, and just mentioned the word automatically people withdraw from it. And it's, it's something that needs to be talked about more. I don't think I want to like launch people into any of their uh, bad memories that they might have on this particular episode. But I think I will create one that kind of goes a little bit more into like breaking those things down, like learning to face them and whatever the fuck, but onto the LBG, uh, <laughs> the queer side of things. So let's see, growing up in a sex positive house and how did you learn about the queer, about queer sex and how do you feel like it shaped you? So, yeah, I mean, there is a link there. Um, I mean, one of the things, not only was it sex positive, but it was like queer affirming. Um, I think my dad being a priest and having mentors in his life who helped him, um, see that LGBT was good, like a good thing, uh, really changed my life. Um, because I remember being a pretty young kid and sitting in the back of my car, like my sister and I were both in the car and my dad was driving us. And I remember pretty vividly him having this conversation with us about like, sometimes people are born in the wrong body. Sometimes people like people of the same sex. Like all of this is normal. All of this is okay. We would love you no matter what. Um, And I don't think he suspected anything. Like I'm pretty sure we were really young, like maybe seven or eight. This was Mm -hmm. the late 90s. And, um, And I just, that stuck with me for a really long time. And it wasn't until high school that I started to really explore my own sexuality. I went to an arts high school. And, um, oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, there were, there were gays. And so I, I, but it was the first time I had like real representation in my life. And for me, it wasn't that I like 
didn't think I could be gay. It's just that I had no idea because there was nobody, like no, nobody else around me was gay. So there was nothing to like base it off of. So I just, you know, due to compulsory heteronormativity was like, yeah, we're supposed to have really close friends with girls and tolerate boys. So that's normal. <laughs> so yeah. I developed these crushes on boys in my youth group and they'd be like, they weren't like, and I, and I was never boy crazy. I never did the whole boy crazy thing. I never had pictures of boys on my wall. I never had like, there was none of that. Um, I just would develop crushes on boys that were nice to me. <laughs> and so I got into high school yeah. and started seeing representation around me and knew it would be fine based on my upbringing. Um, and I, mm -hmm. so grade nine, I was like in the voice practice rooms with this friend and she was, we were playing, she, we were singing Bohemian Rhapsody. I was singing, she was playing the piano. And I remember having this like major urge, like a visceral urge to kiss her. And I, I didn't, but I was like, where does this come from? Like, is this normal? Is this just like a phase because I'm at an arts high school? Like what's going on? And I like, <laughs> didn't really think about it again, but I do remember having like being very attached to that friend. Um, and then grade 10, I would go to these like parties where we would, we thought we were such rebels, but we'd play spin the bottle. And I look back on it now and I'm like, oh, we were so innocent. But, <laughs> but like I, my, the bottle would like land on a woman or like on a girl. And I'd be like, yeah, okay, I'm down if you're down. Okay. And she'd be like, yeah, I'm down. And I remember yeah. making it with this one girl who was like, she wasn't even a good kisser. <laughs> like, she was worse than some of the boys I'd been kissing. And yet I wanted more. And I remember that's kind of when I started being like, oh, maybe I'm bisexual. I don't, like, I don't know. But like, I enjoyed that. And I wanted to do it more. So like, let's explore this. And then I kind of forgot about it for a bit because I had a crush on a dude. And then grade 11 hit and I had a dream. And this sounds so ridiculous, but I literally have it written in a dream journal I was taking at the time. I had a dream where I had a crush on our like music department head at my school. And she was like looking for me to like tell me she liked me back. <laughs> and so like this was the whole dream. And I remember waking up from that dream and I like literally wrote these down as I was writing the dream down. Am I gay or is this just a phase? Like what's going on? Are these feelings real? And then within like the next couple of weeks, I just kind of monitored it. And sure enough, like the feelings didn't go away. So it was literally like my subconscious being like, Bronwyn, you're gay and you need to know this now. <laughs> so, so that's wow. how I like realized. But one of the first things that I did was I went to chapters um, as part of Indigo. I don't know, do you guys have Indigo in the, in the States? I'm not sure. Uh, big bookstore. I don't know. Um, but it was called Chapters oh, at the time. No. And <laughs> I went like because I I went to my art school was like a cross boundary transfer, so I had to go through downtown. I grew up in Ottawa, um, Canada's capital, and I I remember how, like I had to go. I had to take like two buses to get home, so I had to go through our downtown core. So I stopped off at the the big Chapters bookstore that was in our downtown core before I caught my next bus, and I was like searching the like self-help sex like shelves and this was early to this would have been like 2007 2006 2007 so like there weren't a lot of resources for lgbt but the first thing i did was look for lgbt resources like are there books on lesbians <laughs> i need to know these things <laughs> now that i realize i like women i need to know what sex is like and so i just and, and that was my first thought because of the upbringing I had, because I had been brought up in a sex positive household and because I knew it was okay to be gay, my first thought was, okay, now I need to know what to do. <laughs> Which I think is like when I've talked to other people who have come out, regardless of when they did, like that wasn't their first impulse. 
Whereas for me, it was, it was the like, okay, I know all of this is fine. So I don't have to worry about all that baggage, which like, that's a privilege I have, but like, okay, mm-hmm. now, now what do I do? Because my sex education was very heterosexual. <laughs> so like, now I've got to, now I've got to research essentially. So I remember I bought this lesbian Kama Sutra book and then this book that was written by two women in New York who date women and their experiences of dating women of different ages and, and backgrounds and whatnot. Um, and I held on to those for years and, and read through them. So. I think that one thing I like you, all this made me think of is my first kind of experience and just like lasting imprint of people who were gay was like I automatically assumed they were very mm-hmm. flamboyant or like you could tell it in the face like I think that's one of the like stereotypes mm-hmm. like you just know when they're gay and sometimes you do like you can see it like there is a stereotype that in like all stereotypes or some stereotypes have mm-hmm. a bit of truth to them like it's just what it is in my opinion um so yeah some people you can tell like you're probably gonna get it right they're gay but I assumed that they were all flamboyant because that's yeah. the only thing you saw in the media back in the 90s yeah. and two, the early 2000s. It's weird to like refer to it as that. But um, <laughs> when you started saying that, I was like, oh, fuck. Like, is it 2050? Like, <laughs> what year is it? And then I think with the what happened with mine, I didn't have this like epiphany. You know, I would watch gay porn or like lesbian porn. I was like, okay, I can get wet to this. I can finish from it. But like, the whole, a lot of things that women fear about yeah. when they're entering the queer space is, can, am I going to oh, be yes. good at it? Can I actually yes. like, eat a pussy? Oh, absolutely. Things Especially like that. Especially since, like, publicly we shame, like, vulvas and vaginas. Like, we we're, we essentially were just like, they're gross. You don't want to, like, ew, you could not put your face in a vagina. And it's like, yeah, you can. It's yeah. not as bad as you think. I actually, okay, so this is maybe going to <laughs> sound really gross, but this is a podcast about sex, so who cares? Um <laughs> I had a gay man in my undergrad actually tell me that he had like tasted himself. And I remember my first reaction was like, no, yeah, well, my first reaction at the time was like, ew. And he was like, no, how can you expect other people to go down on you if you haven't tasted your own juices? And I was like, true, correct. And so the next time I masturbated, that's the first thing I did. Bam. And I was like, oh, it's not so bad. You know, like that's, <laughs> but I think that's also like, like, and I think to, to a lot of people, that's such a gross concept because it was to me at first, but it also made so much sense. And no, you got to give yeah, yourself absolutely. a taste test. But, like, <laughs> sometimes I say, like, 50% of it. Okay. I don't know. I don't even know. I don't want to say 50, but let's just say 50 to be safe. 50% of the time, like, I don't really taste. Mm-hmm. Like, I taste fine. Because, like, you know, I taste myself after I've been, yes. like, when we switch positions and I get on top um, when I'm with guys, whatever the case is. Um, but then another 50%, I'm like, mm, bro, don't do it. Just, like, don't eat yeah. me out. Like, I'm good. Like, let's just sit yeah. on it and have it a day. Call it a day. But yeah, tasting yourself is like super important. I don't know, it just is. Like you gotta Absolutely. know if it's all good. And, like I think it takes some of the edge off of it, right? Because we, again, like I've run into so many of my like straight friends who are in relationships with men or like married to men and they still have not let the men go down on them because they're so grossed out by their own what? vagina. And I'm like, that's like wild to me. Like, and, and this would eradicate that, right? Like it's we, we've been taught that like, we've been taught that like vulvas and vaginas are gross and that like our own like our own wetness is gross right and we're like oh it smells and it's like okay yeah everything smells <laughs> it doesn't necessarily smell bad but like you yeah. can normalize that it would take off so much stress if you just knew what you tasted like and then didn't have to worry about it <laughs> like, and like yeah we do all have bad days <laughs> yeah. so for some reason like um what was it uh for some reason 
Well, a lot of things make me wet. Like, pretty much anything. Like, a bar of soap one time, I got super wet because I was like, wow, this feels like a great <laughs> dick. Anyway, so I didn't put it in me. I was just washing my hands, and I hadn't had dick in a while, and I was like, oh, God. <laughs> anyway, so a lot of things make me wet, but nothing makes me more wet, even if I'm not, like, super into the chick, but nothing makes me more wet than eating a girl out. I don't know why. Like, even if my head's not in it, I'll, like, touch myself yeah. afterwards, you know, just, like, put my hand down there. It'll be soaked. So, I guess, like, I'm more gay than I thought. Because, like, I, I typically yeah. lean towards men. And you can okay. have that. Like, there oh. doesn't make you less gay. I think a lot of people are, like, I'm less, like, whatever the fuck. They're, like, whatever the case is. Like, you can be, I, mm-hmm. I consider myself pan. Um, but pan with, like, a really big thing for eating once in a while and then like yeah, really enjoying it and I think that's because my first female partner like uh not only was she my first but we kind of had a relationship or you know it was a consistent of seeing each other and building like a bond for that time and so I really got to have a very positive experience with sex and intimacy and my queerness all coming together so yeah, I want to thank her. Hey, for that. there are always <laughs> things we can thank our exes for. <laughs> yeah, for giving us right. the better even ones if it's just that. <laughs> I mean, one of the things I'll give my most recent ex, like there were a lot of things that that didn't work in the relationship, and I wasn't getting what I needed, and and I wasn't able to give her what she needed, um, and it was really sad. But like one of the things that she gave me was like a much better or like much more security in my own body Uh, because as a larger body person who really works towards being like one eradicating the idea that fat is bad like I'm very fat positive I'm I'm very body positive I'm like it's part of my activism but yet we all have like fat phobia in our brains somewhere especially internalized self-hatred and some of that comes out of like especially around sex we think like a lot of us, especially as women, grow up being like, well, I'm not lovable because I have fat on my body. And it's like, that's not true. Um, but one of the things she did is because she just like so viscerally like loved my body the way that it was, it really helped me break down that barrier and be much more secure. So like regardless of the relationship not working, I very much thank her for that. <laughs> Because it's good, right? Like, I can go into new relationships with way more confidence, which helps. No, I love that. And I I, I see it. I, that's what the big thing I take away from my career experience is that yeah. I learned to love myself more. And that's all you need is, like, a really – it doesn't mean, you, like, I should – I think oh everyone should go gay. <laughs> I mean, but, me too, but I'm so uh, biased. <laughs> it just, yeah. It all comes down to just – having a supportive partner and you know for you you just found that in the queer community for me as well and then now you know with my uh very cis male heterosexual boyfriend who won't let me do anything (laughs) to his butthole you know he also really makes me feel like my body is fine and for someone who was like super into the gym for seven years and then I haven't been to a gym since February and like I've always been scared of having the typical Asian body with like no boobs, like no fucking ass, like whatever the case is. Like I've lost a lot of what I didn't, what I barely grew, but I've kind of come to the, I've, yeah, yeah, come to terms with it. And so it's a whole process. And I think that's a benefit of what like this whole COVID thing as well is people are starting to come to terms with themselves. And like at the end of the yeah, day, who absolutely. do you have yourself? I think like, yeah. 
And that is just such a beautiful place <laughs> totally. for us to wrap things up. But let's schedule. I want to automatically schedule another talk. Like it'll totally. have to be like three months down the road um, based on the schedule and everything. But what was the last thing you had yeah. talked about? Cause Oh, fat phobia. I want to talk about that and some of like my own toxicities towards it with myself and also um, I guess with society, because I think everybody wants to say that they're not, this type of phobic or that type of phobic or they're not racist or whatever but the way that society really shapes you sometimes oh my you don't God, even yeah, know we've all got our own biases and we don't realize it initially and it's part of it is calling ourselves out um and like really sitting within that so yeah i'd love to talk more we should do it again for sure yeah okay perfect so i'll message you after this and we'll literally set up a next a next time and now that we we have all the technology worked out <laughs> perfect it'll be good Okay, so thanks guys for listening. Let me know how what you think of this episode. And if you want to be a guest, just give me a message. If you want to buy my feet pics, do that too. Um, but bye. until next time, bye guys.